Welcome to Gifts from Global Baptist, Stories Engaging Churches in Conversation, a production of the Baptist World Alliance Division on Mission, Evangelism, and Justice. Now here's our host, Trisha Miller-Mannerin. Thank you, Shannon. Today we are fortunate to welcome the Reverend Dr. Curtis Freeman, the Baptist co-chair for the current Baptist-Methodist Dialogue. Welcome. Hello, Trisha and everyone out there in BWA Baptist land. (laughs) Curtis, first off, could you share a bit of your background so that our Global Baptist brothers and sisters might know you better? Sure. Thanks, Trish. Um, Well, my my current position is that I teach theology at the Divinity School at Duke University uh, and also direct our Baptist House of Studies, and so I'm involved in seminary education training men and women who are called to some form of ministry, either chaplaincy or pastoral ministry or some other form of church ministry. Um, I've, in my past, have been a teacher primarily, but also uh, am an ordained uh, Baptist minister, so I've served as a pastor, as an interim pastor. Uh, Currently, I'm active in my own local church, and so I've been involved in the BWA now uh, for about, gosh, I don't know, maybe actively the last 20 years, 15, 20 years, Um, but it's been one of the greatest experiences I've had because it puts me in wonderful contact with with folks all over the world, and I get to learn new things every time we get together. That's great. Just for clarity, is Duke a Baptist um, divinity school? No, that's an interesting thing, and so being involved in this Baptist and Methodist dialogue for me is something that is kind of natural uh, because Duke University uh, Divinity School is actually one of the 13 uh, affiliated United Methodist seminaries. And uh, so it it, it is an ecumenical uh, school because we have students from all kinds of denominations, uh, though Methodism is the largest number of students and faculty. But we have about 100 Baptist, or a little over 100 Baptist students here uh, in our student body. And so um, we're, it's not a Baptist school, but we have a Baptist house that guides them in formation and preparation and transition into ministry. Great. Yeah, thanks for that clarity. It's helpful. Plus, I think it puts you in a great position as the co-chair for this dialogue and a unique position that not everyone has um, the background you have. So thank you for that. Great. Well, what I find out is that the more I work with Methodist students and faculty and churches, I find out that Baptists and Methodists have a lot in common. So it's been been a good thing in this dialogue to, to be able to name some of those things in specific ways. That's great. Who are some of the other members of the dialogue team? Yeah, we have a terrific team. Uh, of course, as you mentioned already, I'm the, the co-chair from the Baptist side. Uh, but we have we have really a, a really qualified, extremely uh, qualified group from all around the world. Um, uh, we have folks from um, Valerie Duval Pujol, who is teaching uh, at the Catholic Institute uh, in Paris. Uh, she's now supervising the French Bible translation uh, project. Uh, Timothy George, who is the dean of Beeson Divinity School in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, Stephen Holmes, who is the head of school uh, at, un- at the University of St. Andrews in Scotland. Uh, R.L. Nooney, who is the principal of Calcutta Bible Seminary in uh, Kolkata, uh, India. 
Uh, and of course, Trish, you've been involved this year. Um, and uh, oh, I didn't mention also Deji uh, Abeboyon, uh, who is a professor of church history uh, at the Department of Religious Studies uh, uh, in Ibadan. Uh, in Nigeria. So as you can see, it's a, it's a really a worldwide team and the Methodist team is also a very global team and there are men and women, there are uh, people that are primarily scholars, but all of them are uh, very, very involved in church life, uh, Baptist and Methodist side. The co-chair on the Methodist side is, is Tim McQuibbon, who is the chair of ecumenical relationships for the World Methodist Council. And uh, there's a number of people uh, on that team as well that uh, span the globe. So we're really able to get a global perspective, which I find to be very, very helpful. Yeah, it's great. Um, another point of clarity for those who are listening, because I have been asked, Valerie is a Baptist who works in a Catholic institution, just like you are a Baptist who work in a United Methodist institution. Um, and then also just the interesting handprint of Baptists, even in what in the United States we would call secular institutions, um, who are who are Baptist theologians serving around the globe is is wonderful. And you all come with such a great background and wealth of information. And I really appreciate how you pointed out, Curtis, that everyone's still involved in their local church. Right. right. So, That's hugely important for us. Yeah, so you're not just a bunch of academics getting together a couple times in the next few years to talk about things, but so what is the purpose of your dialogue, and are we all trying to become one denominational group, Bapto-Methodists or something? Oh, well, you know, we could all, we could all hope that uh, Jesus' prayer would be fulfilled <laughs> in our lifetime or sometime before he returns uh, when he said that... Um, for the for the sake of the witness to the world, uh, that uh, all of all of his people would be one, mm. but that the world might know that the Father had sent him uh, into this world uh, to preach the gospel, uh, this good news, uh, and and so we know that Baptists don't hold a um, you know sole claim to being his people. Uh, we know that there are Christians uh, in every other denomination. Uh, every other church group all around the world. So the the best way to describe it is that the, out of that sense of our um, wanting to uh, really see Jesus' prayer for us to be fulfilled, that we would be one, the first step is really we've laid out in our dialogue is a greater understanding of one another. And there are oftentimes for all sorts of reasons can be misunderstandings uh, that we have. Um, and so we've tried to spend a lot of time just trying to say, as Methodists, what do you think uh, about this topic? We spent a good bit of time talking about justification and sanctification, mm-hmm. about infant baptism and believer baptism and so on and so forth. Uh, and so we really want to try to understand how it is that our brothers and sisters among the Methodists and the Methodists want to understand how the Baptists understand these things. But then we also uh, seek to uh, provide a mutual exchange of gifts and for enrichment in our churches. You know, one of the things that John Wesley and the Methodists have talked a lot about is sanctification. Sometimes we Baptists spend a lot more time talking about justification. And both of them are biblical and theologically rich subjects that uh, all Christians should try uh, to live into. And so, 
you know, if Baptists can understand a bit more about what it means to live a life of holiness, well, that would be a good thing. <laughs> and if uh, Methodists could understand a bit more about what Baptists are, are talking about in terms of conversion and uh, entering into a personal relationship with Christ, uh, we think that Methodists uh, would, would greatly uh, benefit from that. Uh, we have other uh, goals that are sort of uh, subsidiary to that. One, uh, that uh, we would increase the participation of a common witness in the world. We think that if we have a better understanding of one another, that we're both seeking the kingdom of God, preaching the good news, that we can see one another as, um, as partners in God's mission. Uh, so that we can give a common witness to the world, so that the world might know that that, that Jesus has come, mm. that he is the Christ, the hope of the world. Uh, and then uh, kind of a final one, to have a fuller fellowship and cooperation uh, by seeking to overcome some of the barriers that may have divided us. So it's, um, as you can see, none of these are calling for finally, you know, one world church or anything like that. Uh, but we do, we do seek to have a greater manifestation of Jesus' prayer, uh, that we as his people would be one. Mm. So we we begin uh, with prayer each morning before our sessions, and we conclude in the evening with prayer, time of worship, uh, that that prayer that Jesus prayed might be more fully realized. Mm. So beyond prayers, how, how do you live out this purpose when you meet for your dialogues? That's a really good question. Well, we do have worship, uh, common worship, uh, uh, twice each day, the beginning and the end of each day. We share common meals uh, with one another. And then in between, uh, we have uh, morning sessions and, and afternoon sessions usually. Sometimes we work in the evening, but we try not to stay up you know, keep our people up too, too, too late. We try to give them a little bit of rest, but we, we spend time, uh, we, we will develop each, uh, each year a theme, and, and out of that theme we'll assign uh, people within our delegations uh, to prepare papers, Bible studies, uh, other items for discussion, uh, so that we can uh, explore those themes. You know, for example, uh, this past year we spent a, a, a good bit of time thinking about worship, about hymnody, uh, about the Lord's Supper, uh, and how these are worked out in worship in Baptist and Methodist context. And so, you know, a, a paper from a Methodist side, a paper from a Baptist side, and lots of discussion and clarification. And then we try to come up with some sort of summary uh, conclusions or evaluations out of each each year, and at the end of that, we'll pull those together into a final report. And, and so, once that report is pulled together, what do you hope will happen as a result of of the report being created and then hopefully dispersed to our member bodies? Right. Well, that's this is a great question, and uh, what, the, what we hope doesn't happen is that the report will be received by the BWA General Counsel and then uh, placed on the shelf uh, and in the files of the BWA office. Mm. Um, the reports will be made public. Uh, they'll be disseminated. Uh, usually they're, they're going to be published uh, in a web version, also available probably in, in print as well. Uh, and you know, what we hope would happen is that uh, 
not just regional bodies. Well, we do hope regional bodies will take these and maybe hold some discussions, particularly uh, where Methodists and Baptists are working together or have a possibility of working together, that they could see uh, in these uh, in this document, uh, you know, ways in which that might be further enhanced. But we really also would hope that it would it would drift down to the the, the local level. Uh, to the congregation on the neighborhood level and even the family level where, you know, here in the U.S., I know that we've got lots of folks that, uh, you know, they've got one side of the family is Methodist, one side is Baptist. What a great thing if both could receive that and have some table conversations about that and say, well, we're really not as far off from one another as we thought we were. Mm. Or if local congregations, Baptists and Methodists, in a sharing in a community could begin to see that there, um, that there really aren't the kinds of barriers they thought to having and sharing uh, ministries together, worship together, um, you know, just all kinds of things. One, where we've had our meetings, we've tried to pay attention to precisely that. So there'll be a, a Baptist church and a Methodist church often contiguous to one another. And we try to get people from those groups together to have conversation, to meet these local leaders, and to talk about locally how might this impact. Uh, our meeting in, in uh, Jamaica, we did this with Baptist and Methodist leaders. So mm-hmm. um, we really hope that it will not just be a, a global report, but that uh, it will be something that is received and discussed uh, at the regional and local level as well. That's really exciting. Curtis, I thank you very much. I know you have many things going on, and I appreciate your willingness to share with us and to share the great work of this dialogue. Can I just say one other quick note? Sure. Um, I just really wanted to thank uh, Dr. Neville Callum uh, because you know he, his leadership uh, initiated, I think, uh, a strong interest in ecumenical dialogue among Baptists. And I, I really have appreciated Neville's mm. uh, push and insistence that we really make this a priority. And so um, I just want to put that pitch in. Thank you. Indeed, Neville has right. been a great gift for us for ecumenism and, like you said, for, for talking about the one church. Uh, yes. And thank you for your willingness, your willingness, Curtis, to serve with him and to serve for all of us as as the co-chair for this dialogue. Well, thank you, Trish. I really appreciate your support and for the BWA support and all that they've done to get our help, get our people there and organize this. And, and uh, we're really very thankful. Sisters and brothers, perhaps you have a friend of the Methodist or Wesleyan Church. Maybe this podcast will encourage you to go deeper in your conversations. In any case, I hope you've caught a glimpse of what the Baptist World Alliance is doing in our world. This has been a gift from Global Baptists. If you know someone whose ministry story is worth sharing, please email us at mej at bwanet.org. M-E-J at bwanet.org. Join us next time as we hear another story from around the world. This podcast was recorded at the office of the Baptist World Alliance in Falls Church, Virginia, in the United States. Music and editing by Pete Cowett. Please visit us at www.bwanet.org.